Movie Mavericks. The Movie Mavericks Podcast. Movie Mavericks, speaking of fucking long, uncut European cocks. The Movie Mavericks Podcast. Now for your hosts, Jason and Trevor. I can't wait. Pop quiz hot shot. Welcome to the special retrospective episode of Speed on Movie Mavericks. I'm going to send you over to Jason Rugard. Maybe he's uh, got some opinions on some speed. Uh, yes, I do, and they vary wildly. But on the movie, I think my opinion <laughs> has always been of the same, and that is that this is a classic. This movie is now 21 years old as of last week, actually, and it still plays like gangbusters. I really enjoyed going That's back good. and watching this. I know. Uh, <laughs> I, I, more so than True Lies, which we just went back and looked at. I, I really enjoyed I know. This I, to be honest, wasn't really in the mood to watch this. I had to force myself to sit down and – you know, just the the opening title sequence gets you in the mood. You're just like, oh yes, I'm watching this. Yeah, you had me it's laughing. Nothing. It's nothing. You, you text messaged me uh, <laughs> and said, "This is more creative." They said the opening pan down the elevator shaft and speed is more creative than anything in Furious Seven. And I had to let out a <laughs> chuckle because uh, I know exactly what you mean, especially when that theme music starts, that Mark Mancina music. Uh, it's, it's just fantastic opening, and it really draws you in immediately, doesn't? Yeah, exactly. And it's not it's nothing special, but this is back in the day when they used to actually use music in movies. Remember that? Uh, yeah, they have a theme that you can hear over and over and you could hum to yourself. I remember humming this theme. Uh, once it started, I said, ah, there it goes again. Um, but this was a, a big hit in the summer of 94 uh, amongst the Titans that were The Mask, uh, Forrest Gump, Pulp Fiction was out in play at this point, and True Lies in a few weeks. So this held its own that summer and uh, really set the stage for Keanu Reeves as a major movie star. He had done Point Break, and then this. He would go on to do The Matrix, but uh, without would be this. <laughs> yeah, but without this, he doesn't do The Matrix. He's not mentioned uh, really for anything else, I think. Uh, because this is, this is, to me, his signature role. When I think of Keanu Reeves, I think of this, not Neo. Well, I think most people think of Neo. But Do you? Okay, yeah. I, I, especially well, I would younger think that generation. most people would just, and in general, I mean, he was... That's kind of his iconic character, I think, more so than this. This is a great movie and everything, but I don't really necessarily – this isn't the first thing. This will be the second, but it certainly comes up. Right? Did you, you see this? not think of uh, – when it came out? Yeah, in the yeah. theater? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw this on a sneak preview about a week or so before it came out in a theater, and I didn't really want to see it. My friend's parents were dragging us to it, and uh, I was 14, 15 at the time, and, and wow – uh, this thing literally had me sweating in a theater, and I was just just in, in, enraptured in the whole what was unfolding on screen. Really, Sandra Bullock is a major babe. She was in Demolition Man previous to this, but cemented her as a major star as well. And Yonda Bond, this thing is beautifully photographed. Uh, watching this, mm-hmm. the editing and, and the photography in this are so slick, but they do not call attention to themselves um, in the way that the Bourne films do and, and that kind of – Ratatat style that was adopted. And well, he is a cinematographer before director, so yeah, I shot the Die Hard films. I don't know. I was just really um, when I'm watching this thing, I just thought like, wow, this so much work went into this, but it's a simple film, well executed, and it looks like it's very easy to pull off. Uh, it almost like a small movie. It really kind of I guess it is does a small feel, movie. Yeah. Well, well, wow, that's a big movie. <laughs> Well, it's got some uh, major so many set sequences in it. Yeah. 
Um, and structurally, it's so beautifully constructed because the first 25 minutes, they're in the elevator sequence. The next hour, they're on the bus. And what, the last 20 minutes or so, they're basically doing the subway. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just think that's ingenious, uh, the way that that's done, because uh, you really can't keep them on the bus for two. They're on the bus for just the right amount of time. Well, he's got to get on the bus, right? So you have a whole sequence of him right. driving to get on the bus. And then, yeah, and then they're on the bus and then they're off the bus and then he's on the bus, right? Yeah, because I do mean, play with that a little bit when he gets back on Into the, the bus. Great sequence. I, I'm mm-hmm. yeah. This movie constantly ups the ante uh, in, in what's going on too in this. And don't you love that the number is twenty five, twenty five, which adds up to the fifty that the bus mm-hmm. can't go <laughs> above or below. I always fixated on that as a kid. And uh, let's get into this. Let's let's start with the start talking about the story here. Um, the movie starts off with uh, a, a business meeting between an American group and a, a Japanese group. And right away, you talk about 90s movies having balls. This is what I wanted to talk to you about. Right away, there is this really strange grouping of, of handshakes and, oh, we really gave it to them on that one. We're like, the Americans got out of the, like they beat the Asians at the deal. <laughs> Did you pick that up on that at all? Uh, a little bit, I guess. I, mean, I, I just thought that all that was just small talk, really. I, I just thought well, that's <laughs> '90s corporate culture, right I mean, there. Really, for throughout it, like... the, the elevator, they just kind of keep up some small talk here and there. But it it segues into the uh, the, um, the bomb squad showing up, which again is just more small talk. They don't really introduce, uh, you know, Counter Reeves or Jeff uh, Daniels in, in any way whatsoever until they kind of ease you into it, really. Easy into it. I think it's comical how the police car comes flying into frame. Like it's <laughs> it's almost like a spoof movie. I thought Lee Leslie Nielsen was gonna get out. And uh but no, you're right, other than the fact that they blend into that as opposed to um you, you made a good comment and said nowadays well, they would have wrote it where he's some sort of down on his luck drunk and uh, well, so they would have like, opened the movie on like Keanu Reeves and he would have been and they would have explained why he's you know, some, he's either a badass or he's fucked up in some way or something like that. They don't do that in this. We don't really even get a backstory on him. We, we don't, you don't need one, right? No, because it's not really his story at that point. It, it's what's going on in the elevator. and He's um, facilitating the rescue of these people. I like the guy who's, who says, the, well, what button did you push, Bob? Because yeah. that, that's like <laughs> Vince Vaughn before there was a Vince Vaughn. Like Vince Vaughn would have been perfect for that role had Vince Vaughn existed at this point that we knew of, you know? First um, one line. Yeah, you know what I mean, for that kind of <laughs> smug L.A. prick uh, role. Uh-huh. Uh, and Yas Whedon uh, is for sure has done a rewrite on this. But Graham Yost, who it's credited to the script, has said that um, Whedon basically did all the dialogue. And I think that's not any more, more apparent than in that elevator sequence with that, like, what button did you push yeah. line? Um, that's straight out of the Whedon uh, universe. Well, and they have the whole um, dummy pop quiz Right. Yeah. And the whole, what would you do? She, I mean, they're just sitting there kind of back and forth while they're doing things. It's, it's kind of, uh, in a way, establishing the characters during the action sequence. You know, there's no need to stop and, and do something else. Uh, and this movie does that a lot. You can't minimize the presence of Dennis Hopper in this movie as well, because he what he adds to it. He's kind of '60s psychedelic, laid back. He's surfer. pretty scary, isn't he? <laughs> he really, Daddy is pretty scary in this. 
it, I love when he adds, you know, uh, when he finally gets Reeves and uh, and Harry a, as a hostage, and he, you know, we have all the balls in the world here, man. I mean, I love yeah. that line. I mean, it's just <laughs> that to me had to be an ad lib, but it's hard to me believe that's in the script because he says it so naturally. Of course, that's his job, but uh, it's just it comes off so great in that sequence. Yeah, you that picked up on a flub, which I noticed after you pointed it out. Well, it uh, might it might not be a flub. It's just a weird because it could be an express elevator. But it's it's kind of a weird thing when you see it, right? Because there's no explain. Well, they go, they get into the elevator, and they and they go, mm-hmm. to, I don't know, to wherever floor they're going. But the uh, the elevator's facing the hallway. Obviously, the doors open. You have to have doors that go into the hallway. But when they get the people out of the elevator, they open up a um, like a hatch, like a um, just a little uh, service, you know square in the wall and they, yeah, they pull people out um through it so there's no so the floor that they're on that they get the people out of that elevator doesn't go to that floor <laughs> <laughs> yeah logic is odd yeah logic yet the I freight also, elevator does <laughs> yeah well, the, the freight elevator is being utilized very well by hopper at that <laughs> point um and like i said the first 30 minutes of this movie or 25 or so take place in this elevator um, the sequence culminates with uh, what they think is is the bomber blowing himself up, and I like when it then transitions into the medal ceremony because a mm-hmm. do they televise medal ceremonies typically? I know, right? Because this is not only televised; <laughs> this is like all stations televised. And uh, and how this long? Deal. How long after the event do you think that is? It has to be months, right? Because there's a lot of planning. Well, yeah, that- because. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's kind of an, a given, isn't it? That, that this it, is, I, some time has passed. I just always they're wonder kind of settled in. how it's supposed to be. How much time was it? A month, two months, three months? Yeah. Because uh, Hopper's character there, uh, Howard Payne, has put in a lot of work, setting, going through a lot of fucking trouble, getting his plan for this day. So it's a while later, but it never yeah. says a year later. Um, a while, you know, because the toasts that are made at the medal ceremony feel like it's something that's fairly fresh, you know, that we want to thank Jack and then thank Jack for shooting Harry and all and whatnot. So I don't know. And do you think it is, that, it is a movie? So yeah, it's true. It's true. <laughs> uh, I think the most sympathetic character in this entire movie is Harry, the Jeff Daniels character. I mean, this poor bastard. Yeah, I mean, he does. A, he does. A, well. I mean, to, to be fair, he doesn't have to be on the bus. So. He doesn't have to be on the bus, but think about it like this. Harry wakes oh, up somehow from a hangover. Somehow he's the one that winds up getting killed. <laughs> he gets a medal, gets shit-faced, has a hangover, and, and like in 24 hours from the time he gets a medal, he's going to be dead. That's fucked mm-hmm. up. And it's a bad death. Yeah, it sucks to be Harry. Well, I don't know. Is it, was it bad? Was I, it we, maybe we, possibly instantaneous. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's always that. And this is the second time in '94 that uh, Daniels was playing a guy named Harry. I mean, Harry and uh, Harry and Lloyd there, Dumb and Dumber. Right. So people don't re- realize that he also played the Sasquatch in Harry and the Hendersons. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> Man, we are really <laughs> on a roll tonight. Uh, okay. So at this point, they are off the elevator, and um, the bomb explodes on the first bus. They notify Tavern uh, or Travern, excuse me, Jack Travern, that uh, we got the bomb on a moving bus, and this is when the movie really takes off, uh, figuratively and literally, because this thing is from this point on, um, it, it doesn't stop. 
to the last frame, really. It's constant motion in this fucking movie. This thing is flying. And um, to me, this is the entire point of, of the movie, really, because everything that happens is in line with how they taught us in screenwriting. It, it builds upon, builds upon, builds upon. And uh, when you think it can't get any, any more, it's, it's, they do it again. It does. <laughs> yeah, you're like, oh, my. You know, it's just it's mine. Many sequences, like you said, getting on the bus. Mm-hmm. Is a sequence in itself, and I love Toon Man, Glenn Plummer, the guy who in the Jaguar, who became like a quasi secondary yeah. character in the series because he pops up in the second one too, you know. And uh, and and Plummer, uh, to his credit, has been in a lot of movies. He was good in South Central where he carried the lead back in the day, but um, I thought he was really steals his little sequence there. Um, yeah, which but. is a great sequence as well. A little bit adds a little bit of comedy. Um, you know, before you get into the the serious stuff, but, but this movie kind of had that over and over, it, where yeah, it would get serious, and then and then there'd be a little bit of comedy in there, you know, and you kind of you almost need that, and even the characters kind of almost need that to to just lighten the mood for just a second, so that they're not how else would they deal with this situation, right? It, it keeps the sense of fun there, as it, because mm-hmm. this movie doesn't stop for a scene. Uh, we were talking about some Cameron films off uh, off air. Where we were saying they stop for a while and they kind of get contemplative and they give you a second to catch your breath. This never does that. This just gives you that moment to catch mm-hmm. your breath uh, with a joke, and then it's back to going, "Oh shit, now what?" Because uh, the Alan Ruck character, the the tourist on the bus who hits on Sandra Bullock, um, she he's he's basically going to serve as comedy. For the rest of the movie, or or a certain type of comedy, mm-hmm. and uh, here and there, yeah. I mean, that's another, that's another pain in the ass character. I mean, this guy's visiting from L.A. First of all, he's taking a <laughs> bus around L.A. That's a shitty way to see the city. Let's be honest. And uh, this all happens very early in the morning. Did you notice that in this movie? I used to think that this movie took place over the course of a day, like Die Hard One takes place over the course of one full night. No, it's pretty much you know real time. Yeah, it's pretty much done by uh, it's wrapped up by about eleven thirty in the morning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I don't know yeah, why. It's real I... time. Yeah. Makes sense. I do like. Uh, I mean, you just. I don't know if it's the the Whedon stuff or not, but the, just the the building of character throughout the movie. You know, making Dennis Hopper's character um, just. I mean, the guy's obviously a, a nutball, but he gets just so like laser focused on on Keanu Reeves character and just getting him back in that sense you have to imagine that he's he's just so pissed off that they ruined his uh his first attack you know they they just foiled him so badly and he's so pissed that he's remembering it and they and they do a perfect thing where he he, he repeats the pop quiz back to him so you know that he's been running that initial elevator scene through his mind you know He's fixated on it. He's just so angry. It's just little things like that's a great way to uh, to instill that in the character. And the character uh, becomes this. I, I, the movie has a kind of message too about media that I didn't pick up on as much when I was a kid. And this was happening, uh, you know, with the circling helicopter mm-hmm. cameras and him interactive TV, the wave of the future, you know, all that kind of stuff. Literally, this films in theaters as OJ's driving down the highway being chased by, you know, this, yeah. this wave of news coverage. And it just, uh, it kind of was indicative of that and what was going on, what was happening uh, in the, the new age media. And I don't know, it just, I, I never picked up on that as a kid. I'm looking at it now. I'm like, that's kind of mm-hmm. condemning that. That's why they go into the airfield and these 
interesting ideas of the no-fly zone and what they could broadcast. Uh, I, I guess it's more mature, complex themes that were in this movie that uh, are there above the well, base that's element. that's another great thing about this movie is the setups and payoffs in this are just, you know, so subtle, but they're so big. Um, like you say, like the no-fly zone when they go into the airport – you know, and that allows them. So they have all that set up with them being screwed over, basically, or so they think. They really aren't, um, right? But but that leads into them him finding the secret camera on the on the bus, um, and then them being able to trick Howard Payne into into thinking that they're still on the bus, right? Yeah, using so news like coverage for them. So much. Oh, not even using news coverage, right? There is no news coverage, but they they they. they tape the, the them on the bus and play back in a loop if you remember but there is no news coverage so they're at that point uh they've explained that away so they don't have to worry about it he's not he can't see through the news anymore but he can still see them great idea in so the wildcat behind the wheel kind of stuff right um, and that as well which gives away the hidden camera yeah yeah great little uh little payoffs there and you have this really eccentric group of people on on the bus and if you look at speed through uh, i don't know different lens i'm looking at it, i'm going well there's a lot of uh minority characters in this in high position i mean you have a black chief of police there you or a sergeant i should say um the guy driving the jaguar has a better car than keanu reeves is, is mm-hmm. black you know all these like ethnic characters are actually in in very prominent roles in this movie uh, and I was like, that's fairly ahead of its time in 94, which you didn't see a lot of in, in a lot of these action movies, um, unless it was Danny Glover, you know, who was the, the sidekick cop. So right. I, I thought that was, was kind of interesting. And I love Joe Morton in this movie. I, I really do. Who was great in a movie called The Brother from Another Planet, a John Sayles film <laughs> from the 80s, which nobody seems to go back and watch. But great there. And most probably remembered as Miles Dyson in T2. But um so angry here all the time. <laughs> it's always good to the feeling here. He's always barking orders at somebody in this yeah. movie. Uh, but once Jack's on the bus and he has to confront the Latino kid who we don't really know what that kid's crime was. And I feel like, again, find out. Yeah. in today's movies, there would have been a scene where he's explaining away his crime and he was probably robbing from a liquor store to support some sort of fucking sob story. You know what I mean? Like I feel like that scene would have been in today's cut. And this movie would have been at least yeah. 20 minutes longer um, to make everybody sympathetic. But Ortiz, I mean, these, these guys on there, Alan Ruck's character, you know, Cameron from Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and, uh, and Martin Henderson, the kid with the earring, who would later go on to star in your movie Torque. Or is that not your movie? <laughs> My favorite movie. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, do you remember who gives away the fact that it, it's a video? Who does not listen to Keanu Reeves' rules of no sudden movements? Well, but it was an accident. Oh, the Asian lady put her purse away. No, she dropped her purse. Is that what it was? Yeah, she drops it. Oh, and she, she looks around. Up. She looks. She she's like, oh shit! Like like she knows she she, <laughs> <laughs> she drops it. She's like, oh oh shit! And then she goes, oh, no no no! And like she's not, like she did it. She knows she did it, but she's not gonna own up to it. And, and nobody, hmm. nobody knew because everyone was doing a good job looking forward. Like Keanu Reeves. Well, they only have like, dude, first of all, if you have a, a tape, how do you play a tape on a loop anyways? When it gets to the end of the tape, it has to rewind. So the feed's going to stop. That's why I never understood about that whole little doohickey of a thing they had going on there. Yeah, agreed so on that. So what does it matter? And it's such a short clip. 
but they had no time. I mean, it's not even, they tried to say it was like a minute, but he sat there and watched it like that. And it was like two seconds. The fact that it can fool somebody and uh, who's, where is, is, is Howard Payne's hideout, I by the way? the hideout. Is that a locker room I'm, slash public bathroom? I don't understand <laughs> where the fuck he's at. It's, no, it was, where was he at? Wasn't he in like that apartment type thing or something? I don't know. Was he, he was high up on the building because he could look out, right, to see the trash can, the drop he, point. Okay, you're right. So wasn't right. it like some sort of just some, some studio loft? Yeah, I guess. I mean, it's I had a, a bathroom because I went to the bathroom, and so he, yeah, and he probably stall, had a kitchen for and stuff. Sakes. I know, right? So it was, it was. I don't know. It was something he was eating and stuff in there. I don't know. He had pizza delivered. It is funny though, technology-wise, going back twenty years, and it still looks uh, very similar to the setups they have now. Obviously, some antiquated, you know, displays and things. But if you, when you have a bad guy who's high tech today, it's very much the same setup, right? Yeah, I, and I'm watching that. And I'm going, where's he watching football at ten o'clock in the morning on a Friday? <laughs> you know what I mean? This isn't live football coverage. It, yeah, it's uh, worldwide. Some, some uh, <laughs> you know. Got one of those satellite things there. It's, it's great. It's from Europe. Hey, let's take a quick break. We'll come back continuing our discussion on the storyline of speed. All right, pop quiz. Airport. Gunman with one hostage. He's using her for cover. He's almost to a plane. You're 100 feet away. What do you think? Shoot the hostage. What? Go for the good wound and he can't get to the plane with her. Clear shot. You're deeply nuts, you know that? All right, gentlemen, what we have here are 13 passengers in an express elevator. Bomb's already taken out cables. Bomber wants $3 million or he blows the emergency brakes. Anything else that'll keep this elevator from falling? Yeah, the basement. He can strike anywhere. At any time. Will the mystery guest please sign in? Why are they messing with me? Do they think I'm doing this for fun? For L.A. cop Jack Traven. Tell me again, Harry. Why did I take this job? Oh, come on, 30 more years of this, you get a tiny pension and a cheap gold watch. Cool. The game began. Very exciting, Jack. Some close calls, huh? When someone put the city of Los Angeles to the ultimate test. Pop quiz, hot shot. There's a bomb on a bus. Once the bus goes 50 miles an hour, the bomb is armed. If it drops below 50, it blows up. What do you do? What do you do? No. Are you insured? Yeah, why? He's the only solution. We just got a ransom demand from your terrorist. Says he's rigged the city bus. Where's Jack? Where do you think? All right, we're back now, and uh, we're continuing our discussion here, and... The movie at this point uh, it comes upon where well, they're in the airfield. We, we totally went over the fact that they do the 50 foot jump, which they never has the jump, <laughs> never has worked. That, that scene has never worked. And um, it, it's still it, it kind well, of way works. do you mean it doesn't work? I mean, it, your mind knows that that thing goes off a ramp and falls oh, literally just falls to its plummet. It goes. <laughs> <laughs> it goes nose up. And you're just like, how the hell did that possibly do that? How did that get projected onto its back wheels? Um, but when the fact that the matters that that comes up is crazy. Um, because I remember when that was happening and you think there's nothing more you can throw at these people. It's an hour in. They've been through hell. 
and now they have to jump this section. They finally jump it. They go to the airport. Jack gets off and then has to go back on it, which is probably my favorite sequence of the movie is him on that little I don't even know what the fuck that thing is. Thing. Yeah, a little <laughs> cart deal um, under the bus and then with the with the tire shreds and um, mm-hmm. then the gasoline on it. It just, it's great. That shit builds and builds well, and builds. How is he holding on underneath the bus? That's what I always wondered. Because he's certainly not doing it with his little screwdriver in the gas tank. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. I was I like, that he- was the one thing that was holding him on. I he had the loose he- screwdriver in there. It's like, okay. I thought he had the axle in his hand. Uh, pretty pretty well in hand there. He, uh, you know. But you know, this is one of those movies where the machinery is so impressive to me because they go into this this airport parking lot mm-hmm. and uh, and they're driving around and then when they can decide to get the people off, they have this this weird transit oh, I bus. I love that bus. That, Wasn't that, that like, thing awesome? I was like, damn, why aren't they on that bus? That thing looked like it was straight out of the fucking Transformers. I didn't know where know. that thing came from. I thought I've never seen one. I of those. thought that bus was going to do battle with the other bus and kill it. <laughs> I was expecting them both to get about nine feet tall and, and throw <laughs> dinosaur bones at each other. But this thing was insane. I'm thinking, do they just have that lying around in case this kind of shit happens? Like I didn't understand. I know, what it kind must of, be an airport bus. Uh, it's a fantastic you know, it's a, looking some machine. Sort of a shuttle. I know <laughs> they need to bring those back if those are available anywhere. <laughs> It's a shuttle. It's a shuttle to the moon at that point. <laughs> yeah, it does. It seems like it's very uh, forward thinking when the, whoever created that thing. Yeah, it's exponentially better than the bus that they were on there. But those that bus became so iconic. I mean, when you think of speed, you think of that bus, right? I mean, mm-hmm. that, that that particularly that look of that bus, that and kind even of a bus, yeah, yeah, and and, and even the. Um, the ads on the side, I'm, I'm reading them and looking at them, and I'm thinking, yep, I remember these. You know, the good vibrations, the money is and everything. Yeah, right. And uh, I saw this movie a lot of times as a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you recall, by the way? Do you recall? And I thought I was crazy, but uh, I was on YouTube, and I'm going to try to include it on this this podcast, on the page at least. Uh, it's a, as a TV ad for the VHS sell-through of Speed with the tie-in to the G-Shock watch. G-Shock was oh. relaunching um, their brand in 94. And if you bought the the tape of this, you got some sort of uh, discount off the watch. And I remember getting the watch as a Christmas present. And I thought I had made this up for some reason until I, I had verification. <laughs> so um, it was this, this – I, I mean the, the G-Shock watch lasted, no shit, I want to say for at least 10 years, that same battery. I mean the thing – you couldn't – I mean, now G-Shocks were very common. Back then, it was, it was massive. People were like, what the fuck is that? You know, but big watches now are in. So, But I was wondering if anyone out there huh. hearing this remembered the G-Shock watch tie-in and, and therefore had one. No. It was a better watch than Keanu was wearing in the movie, I'll tell you that. <laughs> it's the perfect watch to make a bomb with. So yeah, awesome. right. <laughs> it's, it's the gold piece of shit. Oh, man. Did you hear what uh, Siskel and Ebert had to say about this? Did you get a chance to listen to that? I did. They basically said what we said. <laughs> I know, right? I, I love the They fact loved that. this. But who can, you know, it's it's almost like you, you kind of defy someone to watch this and not come out with a smile on your face. I, one of my favorites, too, is when they get off the bus, when it's him and Annie and they slide out from that thing. Yeah. Uh, it, it, the way the score hits when they become clear of it, I love that cue <gasps> right there. Uh, it, it's so I just, victorious. I just love that he's not getting he's laying there with Sandra Bullock and he's not going to get up and neither would I yeah oh my goodness I would have even get up to talk to 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 the captain doesn't do anything yeah he's he's, gonna lay there you know just hey 
<laughs> What's up, Cap? I'm mounting this chick right now. Okay, just, just, just saved her life. Can you go away for a second? Because I will never have a cleaner shot at this than right now. <laughs> I'm a little dirty. I smell like gasoline. But uh, hey, she likes me, apparently. Uh, then the movie... Then sweet, now we're an hour and a half in roughly, and we think that all is done, and you know the the setup, the drop off point at the, the what the little recycling bin, as it turns out, it's not even a trash can, it's a fucking recycling well, bin. Harry's dead already, right? Harry dies in this thing midway point, and you had a good uh, say. You you think that Harry? You always forget he's dead. I do, I because I want him to live. Because you just expect this movie has a weird ending. I still think because it has this happy. Well, it has two endings, right? I mean, we just talked about one when they when they slide uh, when they get off the bus. That's almost an ending. You almost feel like it's going to end, right? It could have ended, but then you're like, "Well, no, it can't," because they <laughs> they didn't get the bad guy. Yeah, this is always true. So you're like, "Oh, how nice is? This? Oh, wait, wait a minute. Oh, yeah, okay. The movie still has to go on." And and as it goes on, and they just kind of forget about poor Harry. Once again, the most They're sympathetic like, we're, character. We're gonna go in the movie. on. We gotta we gotta finish this movie, and then. Uh, you know, we're going to be happy together. And Harry, I don't even remember. Who's Harry? Oh, yeah, it's all good because Keanu Reeves is getting some pussy now. So it's uh, <laughs> Harry's forgotten, you know what I mean? He's ditching his best friend because he got a little piece of ass there. Um, yeah, because you forget about this because everything works in the moment. Speed does not work in, in hindsight, you know, in picking parts, things apart and whatnot. Well, it, it does. Uh, better than it should, I'd say that. But mm-hmm. things like that, with Harry being gone, and you thinking like, "Wow, this is a hell of a day for this kid." Um, especially now that they're off, and then they get on the subway. Uh, he well, it's just so unnecessary to kill Harry, though, isn't it? I mean, I, I get th- they do it for that for that beat, but it's like it's just a beat in the movie. It's not even like it just it doesn't matter. He could have lived; it wouldn't have mattered. How does you it don't... change the movie in any way? His death. I have a I have a theory on that. Oh God! <laughs> oh God! He says, "Oh, oh boy." Um, so, is I it a conspiracy theory? <laughs> no, it could be. It's by Jan de Bond. Yeah. So you never know. Um, I was listening to a little bit of the audio commentary by the director, and he was saying in a previous version of the script that Ed Harris was attached to play Harry, but Harry was the bomber. Harry was actually the bad guy. But they had done subsequent rewrites right. after Harris left the, the 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 production, and they brought on Daniels. And I'm telling you, I think that was all from a previous rewrite of how to get rid of that guy or even that that was the demise of Harry was maybe even walking in on a bomb. I mean, who knows, but there's no reason but to kill off that character. This doesn't make any sense either. The fact because that he, what dies, he, did, he walked into his own bomb. <laughs> why does, why is Harry, weird. Harry's a bomb guy. Like why, why is he, is he ki- on the SWAT team? I know. Why does he make such a dumbass this thing to go right in there to uh, the dude who's obviously probably booby trapped it? I mean, even opening the window, if you figure, you guys, I mean, I wouldn't have fucking done that. I, I mean, shit, you're lucky you even gotten in the house. It's a, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. It's for that beat, for that moment where he can go, no, my God, not Harry, no, no. Oh, Sandra Bullock's here. Okay, never mind. Yeah, so beautifully <laughs> performed because he turns around and then he goes, oh, you went to the Arizona State. I mean, <laughs> yeah, if somebody literally did that, you'd be like, uh, are you fucking insane, bro? Your friend just died. You're asking me where I went to school? Um, but uh, it's also to toy with audience expectations, obviously, because you think that Hopper's in this house and, because we don't know he's in that loft until uh, he peers out later. Um, so it's a false revelation, but it works in the moment. Hey, let's take a quick break. Let the <laughs> audience listen to Siskel and Ebert's thoughts on the film, and we'll come back, wrap up our thoughts on the story, and talk a little bit about some of the 
extracurriculars with this. I'm Roger Ebert of the Chicago Sun-Times. And I'm Gene Siskel of the Chicago Tribune. Our first film is Speed, and this, quite simply, is an action picture that really delivers, and it also marks, I think, Keanu Reeves as an action star with a whole lot of charisma. In fact, with some of the same kind of appeal that Bruce Willis had in the first Die Hard. All of the sequences work. Reeves is absolutely compelling as Speed delivers a whole lot more action in more different locations than you might expect. And that's ultimately what audiences want in a movie like this, for the filmmaker to do more than the expected. Give us more than one storyline. And director Jan DeBot, who actually photographed Die Hard, really delivers with this his first feature film. Speed works. Boy, it sure does. This movie was fun. Yes. This is what I call a bruised forearm movie. Yeah. Because you grab the arm of the person sitting next to you uh, in scenes like the one where the bus is going to have to try to jump that 50-foot gap. Yeah, I knew it wasn't possible in real life, but I didn't care. I thought this movie was really superb in oh, the yeah. way it put together these very, you know, like how can in Los Angeles you have a bus that can't go less than 50 miles an hour with right. the bad traffic out there? Right. And how do they manage to keep moving more than 50 miles an hour. That in itself well, there was, are also was some terrific. Marvelous stunt pieces when he has to f try and get, get at the bus. the bus. Yeah. All of that mm -hmm. stuff really yeah. works. And that could have, uh -huh. you know, they could have shortchanged us in a whole lot of different ways. He's really, you know, we yeah. feel that he's really down there uh -huh. and a lot of work is done. And also, grab simple things like grabbing people out of small places and freeing them up. It's all yeah, done and, very, very well. the end, when you think, my God, this movie can't do anything more, then they go down to the subway yeah. train and you have an old, a whole other movie right down there. It's a lot It of was fun. a lot of fun. All right, that was a spirited discussion I think they had. I mean, I haven't heard them that excited in a long time about a movie. And I got to agree with, with a lot of what they said. There's a lot of sense of fun in this movie, I think, overwhelmingly. This movie is a good time. Yeah, it's just, you know, it's not going to be winning any Oscars, obviously. <laughs> it's kind of how, how, the only way you can really look at this, right, is just that it's fun and I'm, it's, it's well put together. There's a line in that new trailer we were just talking about uh, with Infinite Jest author with uh, Eisenberg and mm -hmm. Jason Siegel. I can't remember the name of the film right now. Uh, dates of tour, tour dates or something like that. Um, and long story short is they say in there they're eating some Skittles and, and licorice. And this is great commercial, American commercial entertainment like the original Die Hard. And I would say that this falls into that line. You know, it kind of reminds me of that. Oh, this yeah. is great commercial entertainment. This is the kind of shit that Hollywood excels at doing. Um, and when these hit, people, it makes people look like fucking geniuses. And I think this is the why um, DeBont even had a career after this because nothing he ever did again ever came close to matching the quality mm -hmm. of this. Um, including Speed 2, which I think is a guilty pleasure of mine, but I cannot defend it in any sort of conceivable way. Um, <laughs> and, and Twister, I, I find damn near unwatchable. Yeah, Twister's horrible. To this day. Um, and he also... No, he's did, mostly... Uh, he did your favorite Laura Croft movie, the one with I the know. screaming sharks. He's mostly a cinematographer, so I don't, I don't know if it's really fair. And he's done a lot of great movies, you know, behind the camera. For others, yeah. I mean, obviously, mm -hmm. Die Hard, like we said, Hunt for October, Black Rain. He's worked for um, a litany mm -hmm. of great directors. He must have learned something because this thing is um, efficient as, as all hell. And the tricks that they use in this, a lot of the the projection and things, it, it all worked. I, I didn't see a lot of hiccups technology-wise in this. Did you see no, a lot of – No, I mean, stunt-wise, all that stuff, it all works. Works yeah. very well, and I never, I'm never taken out of the moment ever. Um, I mean, even when the when the bus goes over the you know, the the jump, um, which is ridiculous, 
I'm not really taken out of the movie because the movie's kind of ridiculous, really. At that by that point, but it's edited so crisply too that like it's mm-hmm. just you don't even it, it all looks spatially like it's going together. That's one of the things I love about this movie is that it makes sense spatially. I feel like I know where I'm at at all times. I'm never confused where the layout is and how things are unfolding. Um, it's not confused in any sort of way, whether it be story wise or visually. Um, it's a simple tale, effectively told. Uh, right. I I love when they're down. Uh, you said the pop, you know, the pop quiz line. Mm-hmm. I, I think the line to me in there uh, with Hopper is when he says, "You know, rich people or poor people are crazy. I'm an eccentric." I love that line. That that just because <laughs> that's the fun once again creeping into it. You know, it's almost like uh, a Batman villain in a way because he's so over the top. He's such a Mm-hmm. Uh, he's such a fun character. You almost don't feel threatened, but you know he's dangerous, but you don't really feel threatened by him um, because he's having such <laughs> he's a like fun- a creepy uncle. Yeah, he's having such a good time doing. Yeah, right. I love. Yeah, well, and the idea of this is that he's obviously, as he claims, he's just after the money, right? Just the money. He just wants the money. It's all it's about. But it really isn't, right? He he's really clearly after getting some sort of revenge, um, either it be on you know, Jack or just the world in general. Which to me is the closest resemblance to the diehard in this, in mm-hmm. that um, it's the character who's, um, Hey, look, it's really a robber because robbers are, are less harmful than murderers. But in this, he really is a stone cold fucking murderer. I mean, he's mm-hmm. intent on killing. I mean, the bomb on the bus goes off. Let's just be honest. The bomb on the elevator goes off. The bomb on the bus goes off. We have to take this man at face value that he will do what he says he will do. Well, he tried to tr- – I mean, yeah, he pushed the button on the bus even though it was already done. Yeah, right? Yes, I'm saying. He and, kill him, yeah. And on the elevator. I mean, he was ready to – he blew that fucker. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they were just happy to get the people off there as well. Uh, so 0 for 2, but, but really uh, on having balls to do it, 2 for 2. Um, you got to love that. And I love – when he exits that scene and he shuts the door and calls him a punk. I don't know why, but it's the first time in the movie he's he calls him a punk and it's such the generational gap thing. The old cop and the young cop to me. I think that just um I don't know. It's one of those things that works so well in that scene. And Hopper has a weird Donald Trump vibe to me. Is it just me? He does, yeah. Does yeah. it okay? It's like is this is this fucking yeah. I mean I I don't know, but I always got like in this in this movie particularly a, a Donald Trump vibe, and I'm watching it going, "Oh, that's it's very odd." I'm glad you I'm glad you agreed with me on that. <laughs> I thought it was going crazy. So when they're down in the on the actual subway, uh, Hopper has the most awesome machine gun that's been in movies in a long time. I loved that gun when I was a kid. That thing's that silver fucking like Uzi just sprays. Um, at the at the top of the the cart that Keanu Reeves is hanging on to, and the way mm-hmm. that they film that too looks great. I mean, this isn't some under siege too dark territory that is obviously <laughs> models and and just you know bad photography. Oh, this yeah, there's is, a couple of things in that, huh? Yeah, that that one's bad, um, especially nowadays. I watch that on Blu-ray; and it's really <laughs> yeah. bad. Um, but in this this fucker, man, this thing is good. Even the head getting knocked off look great still. Yeah. But doesn't it, I don't know, this movie just ends, this movie doesn't have a good way to wrap anything up, really, when you think about it. Because it just, I mean, he just kind of kills him, right? They just, they get kind of in a little tussle, and then Dennis Hopper's dead. And then they, he goes down there. I, I do like the scene where he he's kicking the, the uh, you know, pipe, trying to get her loose, and they realize right. she can't get out. That's a great scene, but... 
again, it just ends with them doing nothing. And I don't understand why they can't just, if you can speed the train up, why can't you just kill the, the power to it? And why does he speed it up? I, what good does that do? I'm going to make it jump the track. It, it's the end of the track. It's going to only jump the track. <laughs> what, what else is it going to do? Because he wants to make it slam at the end of the track as ferociously as possible. He's going to fly out onto the street, which, again, I you know, I guess the, the, I, it makes sense in the world of speed because the trains can jump as well as buses. Right. Things are projectiles in this world. <laughs> Anything moving is a fucking projectile. It flies out of there, and then they're okay, you know? Okay, all right. I guess. Not, only, not only okay, he's basically told that he'll be guaranteed a relationship full of sex for as long as he wants to. <laughs> um, so it's like this male, yeah, fifteen-year-old fantasy. It's uh-huh. no wonder I fell in love with this movie <laughs> as a kid, you know. Um, and, and then it goes into that nice Mark Mancina score. I don't know how long you kept your your film playing for, but there is a bizarre Billy Idol song attached to this. Did you hear this? Yeah. Uh, and I forgot about it. It's almost as bizarre as the Sting weird... Demolition Man song from a year <laughs> earlier. But this was like when they had those weird times. But Speed, Give Me What I Need, and hearing Billy Joel mm-hmm. sing that, or Billy Idol sing that is like, wow. That's a great song, though. Oh, please. <laughs> yeah, it charted at the bottom. Okay, get out of here. It's a great song. I mean, that's that literally, they don't even play it until the screen goes black. They know people are exiting. <laughs> Uh, I I miss movies that just end like that though. There's just like and boom crash. Uh, is everyone everyone okay? Everyone's breathing. Okay, okay, roll the credits. <laughs> I'm telling you, I watched uh, Ex Machina last night, and and I I wish it would have ended like Speed ended because <laughs> it would have stayed a four star movie to me. But I respected the way that this ended because. It didn't drag out. I'm telling you, if this that comes out great. in today's world, this shit. is at least and it makes two you hours sit, and 15. You almost kind of just sit there and watch the credits long enough for the wonderful um, theme song to come on uh, because you're just kind of like, wow, you know, it, it doesn't it doesn't have to sit there and wrap up other shit to, to the point where you're like, OK, roll the credits. I want to leave. Uh, on the on the audio commentary, DeBont has a story that in test screenings, people were leaving the theater to go to the bathroom, but they were walking out backwards to try to catch every last <laughs> second of it. Uh, and I believe that in this movie because uh, I do recall that this this theaters uh, were at least the screening that I saw it in uh, two weeks before it came out was absolutely packed. And I mean, I never had heard of this. And I remember saying, "What did you go see? Speed?" And people were like, well, "What is Speed?" Because uh, this was a slow burn movie. It, it debuted mm-hmm. fairly well, but it, it was slow burn. This played all summer. And by the time this hit video, um, this was almost a cultural phenomenon. This was being spoofed everywhere in, in every type of thing. And um, they never could replicate it again. Um, this is probably, I think, up there with the original Die Hard, in my mind, yeah. as the best movie of this type. Um, although I, I'm a big fan of, of Die Hard 3. I think probably more so than than you are, but um, well, I like I, the third one. Do you? Do you? Are you? I know we both kind of we when you watched this recently. We both didn't care for the second one as much, but second the third, one's not good. I've always the, liked the third one though, but the third one is not a Die Hard movie. It's really not. It's its own so entity it's in a lot fair. of ways. Um, yeah. It's almost the beginning of a different trilogy in 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 a certain way, but um, you know, this movie is the closest thing to a regular Die Hard as we'll ever get, unless you count Chill Factor. Yeah, yeah, which probably nobody <laughs> does, but I do. I like Chill Factor. I know you do. <laughs> Not even Cuba Gooding um, she likes your fucking kill that movie. <laughs> oh, man. For our Skeet Ulrich fans out there, big ups. 
one person in the back was like, yay. I don't think anyone said anything. Yeah. No, we know one person. Yeah, that's all right. It's a good movie. Uh, but so speed. Speed it's three hard to with... replicate this because you can't, you, you know, there's just, it's the writing, right? And the idea, initial idea of just of all, all these elements coming together, that's hard to do because I do it again. You can't, right? Make no, speed is... again. Take the just even take the basic idea and try to translate it to something else. It's hard to make it not stupid. It's curious that producers have chosen to redo Point Break, but not Speed. Mm-hmm. And the fact that Speed was a but much speed bigger would be hit, way better to remake because it's more in line, probably with movies that are made nowadays than Point Break. Sure, certainly is. I don't think they could remake it as well. I mean, I don't think they can make Point Break as well either because well, it's done a lot of reboots. But I'm just um, saying this movie would, would, would work better as a remake. Um, they've tried different concepts that were floated. I remember one was a plane that couldn't go above a certain altitude or below a certain altitude, um, which never came off the ground. Um, well, yeah, because you couldn't – how would you do much with that? It's too right. limited. But th- I think that's what's ingenious about this movie is that you go from the elevator to the subway to fill right, in the yeah, gaps. No. That's what I'm saying. You can't. You almost can't do this again. Yeah, it, it, this was, a, was almost a one-off. Really hard. Uh, and I don't know. Its success is, is in the pudding, and people will still talk about this. Let's talk briefly about the guy um, who people have forgotten about. I think, including a lot of myself for a while. But um, remember the guy who was collecting speed on VHS? Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if he. Uh, I wonder if he's still collecting these. speed on VHS. Uh, because this on VHS looked like shit. And I watched this on VHS <laughs> for years. And watching this uh, widescreen is a beautiful thing. It really was. Mm-hmm. Although mine wasn't enhanced for the anamorphic widescreen. Yours was. I'm a little mine pissed was. about that. So Mine looked great. Yeah, you had a newer copy. It was yours a, fantastic. Was your store bought or was yours a copy of a copy? Uh, well, shh, don't tell anyone. It, yeah, exactly. It was burnt. Yeah, I, I, I think I think mine. Of it. I thought mine was a burnt copy of the same one you had, but uh, apparently not. So that's uh, apparently we owe Fox about twenty eight dollars. So sorry, Fox. Oh, I bought plenty of Fox things. Yeah, let me tell you, I've rebought an Independence Day so many fucking times. I ain't paying you no more, Fox. I think I have three versions of Predator. Yeah, and I got Predator too. So you know what? I'm I'm good because I'm probably the only person. I'm pretty sure I've owned Die Hard in every sort of format ever invented. The whole trilogy. Mm-hmm. Hell, when it was a trilogy. And aliens. How many times have they done that? Yeah. Uh, regardless. Speed on Blu-ray must look great, though. I, I did not see this on Blu-ray, but I did see Speed 2 recently in HD, and that looked fantastic for what a shitty movie that was. <laughs> I, I can't believe that uh, Reeves had the balls to stay away from a sequel. They must have been throwing so much money but at him after this. saw the sequel, right? Uh, yeah. yeah. Would you have done it? <laughs> He's done a lot worse, my friend. What was he well, too busy working lately. on a walk in the clouds? Get yeah. out of here. Well, the Matrix came out, you know, a year after Speed Two, so he may have been busy. Oh, he was making chain reaction. <laughs> yeah, get out of here. He made him busy. <laughs> he thought he had a winner. I got this one called Chain Reaction. It's gonna be huge. It almost was. Remember that was supposed to be like the next the next speed thing they were like oh god i do remember when that came out yeah from the director of fugitive and the star of speed yeah it's gonna be great and then it came out and everyone was like i don't understand any of it (laughs) it's about clean energy and i i I just watched uh, a chain reaction last it's last november and i I, i'm honestly i thought i was nyquiled the fuck out i didn't understand i kept rewinding scenes and be like wait what the fuck is that what's going on there (laughs) 
because um, Reeves, you know, outside of Constantine, Devil's Advocate, Matrix, one had a rough run in the movies for a while there. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, where is he at now? Is he doing Eli Roth movies? Is he doing horror movies or something like that? It's in a horror movie. I or don't something. know. Is he? I'm pretty sure he's in the Green Inferno that's coming out and some uh, other stuff. I don't know. I know he's in the Green Inferno, is he? He's a. Uh, and John Wick did fairly well. Uh, yeah, it really didn't reestablish him in any way. He's pretty much down and out, isn't he? At this point, Wait, it didn't erase I mean, forty-seven big, Ronin. That's what I was gonna say. Any any kind of big things have pretty much not really taken off for him. But in a small way, yeah, that was it's a good movie. For as much, I mean, I love the classics of his career. Where you're talking about the Matrix and and. Mm-hmm. Uh, point Blake or Point Chain Break. Action. Yeah, I know. We know. Yeah, exactly. Walk in the Clouds, like I said. Yeah. Uh, Little Buddha. Um, these these movies, uh, especially Bill and Ted's. But uh, my favorite has got to be, or no, the one I've seen the most, my favorite. Get the fuck out of here. No, my favorite. Lake House. No, it's Sweet November. Um, uh, no. Sweet November. <laughs> yeah, if you say Sweet November is good, I swear to God. It's actually not that oh. bad. All right, that's terrible. I was gonna say the replacements because it's on TV every other fucking day. Yeah, I mean Constantine's really good. Better that's better than replacements. Yeah, no, I'm saying I Fox I just Street happen- Kings is better than replacements. I just happen to have seen the replacements a lot because it's on all the time. Yeah, they play that movie. It probably all- doesn't cost anything, right? Uh, I, I you watch that Dinner for Five series like I do uh, the John Favreau series, and he talked about when he got the script for that, it was this rated R hard uh-huh. longest yard type movie. And he says, and by the end of it, I'm dancing to I Will Survive, you know, yeah. in, a, in a line. He's like, I just thought, how did I get here? Uh, and that's got to be a, a lot of what's wrong with some of these movies. But luckily, Speed made it through the Hollywood process and comes out a classic and remains a classic 21 years later. I highly recommend everybody to go back and take a look at this. Yeah, it is surprisingly good still. Yeah, because I mean, I, I I had a hard time sitting down to watch this, and the second it started, I thought, "Oh shit, man, I'm in. I'm in for two hours, in for a penny, in for a pound." I'm in. No. Yeah, I said good day, <laughs> sir. And I said good day. Well, let's wrap up this oh. retro show. I think we've uh, covered speed from every angle, except for ingesting it, and uh, I'm just not prepared to do that on the air. Well, Sandra Bullock took off after this, though. You think? You think she uh, that one? Was earmarked for bit. a career? I mean, what, she's had <laughs> two Oscars since then? I mean, the, really the highest grossing female star of maybe ever. One of the hottest chicks of all time. Um, I'm not a fan or anything. No, you, you don't like her. Nah, I mean, I, shit. She's one of my, I mean, she's probably my all-time favorite. I got to be honest. Uh, I, will watch. I mean, you haven't watched half of her movies and enjoyed them. Don't lie. You enjoyed them? No, but I've seen them. <laughs> Could come back for more. I saw Premonition. All right, I saw. Oh, I've seen Premonition. I've seen all of her movies too. Uh, I mean, they're I not won't great. Say they're good. I mean, I like the proposal. Oh Jesus! Well, yeah. I mean, sure, but I mean, with that, you get two weeks' notice. Oh man! I, mean, I like the Heat quite a bit. That that was surprisingly good. You know, but again, I mean, Forces of Nature. You, you know, good odd. Um, I see. I, I tend to think of the good ones, like, uh, like 28, what? 28 days. Is was, a good one. Good. I liked that one. I, I did. I thought she was good in that one. Um, well, she's good in all of them, but yeah, it's true. It's just, 
I don't know. It's just a kind of a classic. I don't know. The net is good. While you were sleeping, there's a good one. Well, the quintessential Sandra Bullock movie to me, outside of Speed, um, where she's not even the star, but she's the the female lead, and she's she's so attractive in this one, and she's so well cast, and I, she's just great in it as a time to kill. Well, I yeah. love her at a time to kill, and that is like the I just love her in that setting, in that movie, mm-hmm. in that type of movie, and I always kind of think about that as as her, um, you know, her zenith, if you will. I don't know. Sandra Bullock had a hell of a career. I mean, she she, she still is making. I mean, really lasted longer than uh, Julia Roberts at this point at the top. Has to be amongst the elites. Well, yeah. Well, considering she, well, I don't know. I mean, has she necessarily? She's never been bigger even back then than she is today. Really, you don't think so? I mean, ever since now, ever since uh, you know, really the proposal. That's the movie, you know. Well, the, the Blind Side. Well. That's what I'm saying. The Blind Side. Now the and then the, Gravity the did extremely well. And Gravity, she's probably bigger now than she's ever been ever. Uh, I don't want to forget about all Not about that Steve. She hasn't been big. I mean, we got to give shout outs yeah. to that. <laughs> Remember, I mean, you know, there were years when she, I mean, Gunshy, you know. Right. Yeah, I forgot about that one. So she, I don't know. I mean, two if by C. She's yeah. a quirky choice. I mean, she's always, always had... been known, you know, and always been big, but I, she is huge now. I mean, I remember she's being big with Miss Congeniality and, and things like that as sure, well. Sure, but, but it kind of died down because, uh, you know, then he had shit like two weeks notice, like I said, and, uh, you know, Murder by Numbers. Which was unfairly so, overlooked, I thought. It's a shitty movie. I liked Murder by Numbers. I thought Gosling was good. You can like it all you want. It's a shitty movie. <laughs> eh, I think there's good performances. I mean, it's fair there. enough to to enjoy it, but it's still not something that I. You, you can't look at that and, and think that it's going to make any big amount of money. Well, it's, I'll it's say very... that there was there was Ashley Judd movies like it at the time that oh, were doing God. very well. Um, that sucked and like like High Crimes and Double there Jeopardy. Are no better than those. Yeah, exactly. If that's what I mean by that, because um, Ashley for a minute, Ashley Judd. Those had are a, more of. They're all feel more like made for TV movies than anything else. Yeah, it's just a great yeah compared to that, I don't know. Ashley Judd's nowhere now, so this is true. So she beat her anyways. <laughs> <laughs> well, there wasn't much competition. I mean, Bullock is is in a way like the Tom yeah. Cruise of, of female leads in the sense that she looks like she doesn't age. Um, mm-hmm. She seems to pick projects and just when her. She has the Oscar now. To, it seems to add some sort of like product. Uh, quality thing so it's mm-hmm. she's got, yeah. she got two oscars i want to say right no no just what? one okay so he was nominated twice then um yeah that's huge absolutely huge yeah big big but she did she did star in speed two which was uh <laughs> she did she took that one but what else did. does she have to do you know i mean go for the money on she's that she's like hey screw it and infamously, uh, Ebert and Siskel both gave Speed 2 a uh, thumbs up, which mm-hmm. uh, Ebert has said that to his dying day, that was the film he had to defend his criticism of more than any other film that he ever reviewed. <laughs> so uh, even Sandra Bullock said she did not like that movie. So that just goes to show you that critics get it wrong quite often. Well, that's going to wrap up our show tonight. We want to thank you all for joining us on the Speed Retrospective. Speaking for Trevor Anderson, I am Jason Rugard, and this is the Movie Mavericks. Oh my, another magnificent episode has come to an end. 
If you're craving more, set your destination to moviemavericks.com, warp 9. Engage! <laughs>